Where would we be if that didn't happen? There would be no Shit's Creek. There would may, we might not be born if that didn't happen. We don't know us. what the butterfly effect would have been. We all might never have been born. Hi, everyone. Welcome to EW Onset. I'm Shana Naomi Krokmal. And I'm Patrick Gomez. This is Entertainment Weekly's exclusive companion podcast to the sixth and final season of Shit's Creek. We're here every Wednesday morning after a new episode airs with recaps, exclusive onset interviews with the cast. Do beware, there are spoilers. So if you have not watched the newest episode, stop listening, go watch it, and then come back immediately. Yes, so if you've watched up and through episode 610, which is the one we'll be talking about, you are totally fine. We are going to be hearing from Catherine O'Hara, Eugene Levy, Annie Murphy, and Emily Hampshire, and a special guest, Victor Garber. We have some amazing stuff, both from Victor Garber and about Victor Garber, from his longtime friend, Eugene Levy, and also Catherine O'Hara. Let's talk about the rest of the episode, including, but not limited to, Victor Garber. Let's just run through a quick list, and then we're going to break it all down. So we had um, Moira kind of getting uh, the opportunity to be part of a Sunrise Bay reboot. We get some fantastic Sunrise Bay footage. Uh, Alexis uh, is, like, helping her with that and becomes a moderator of the fan club, (laughs) which is amazing. You vomited a demon into a toilet and then fell in and drowned. Well, the writers insisted it was symbolic. Nevertheless, I have... And then they shredded you. Yes. And Johnny, in addition to being uh, worried about the termites at the new motel, uh, is worried about money, trying to pay for David's wedding, or at least the food at David's wedding, um, which has some fantastic facial reactions from uh, Dan Levy as as um, David. Yes. It's just fantastic. And Stevie, who has been diligently working her way through Johnny Rose's book about his video, Empire comes up with uh, an idea to expand the franchise even further. A wise man once wrote, you miss 100% of the tapes you don't play. I did write that. I just hope there are actual copies of that book somewhere that someone has written more than a few pages of. I mean, if it's not, like, they should commission us to do it now. Someone should do it, yes. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. Would, I, would, I would read that. I would write it and then read it. Like, that's how good it would yes. be. Yes. I mean, I think from as soon as we knew that a show called Sunrise Bay existed and that Moira was this soap star. You know, we've seen glimpses of it before. We saw the convention where she went and did some signings with Alexis. Like, we've certainly, we've heard lots of mention. It seems like maybe aside from the crowning, this has was sort of the most notable um, credit oh, yeah. in Moira's career, right? 100%. Safe to say. Um, I love it. I've been so obsessed with this idea. I, I feel like it has to, you know, be this great sort of shout out to the movie Soap Dish. Love Soap if Dish. If you haven't seen Soap Dish, here's what I will say. There are some things in Soap Dish that are very problematic from a perspective of thinking about gender and particularly transgender people. In and, this and fear that of part 2020, of 2020, at the time. 100%. Like at Tootsie, the time. In the same way that Tootsie deals with interesting yes, gender dynamics. At, it has... Some of the funniest moments I feel like I've ever seen on screen, I think Sally Field, Robert Downey Jr., Whoopi Goldberg, and it is, you know, behind the scenes of this this uh, soap in New York, uh, which is called The Sun Also Sets, which is why this whole time we've been talking about this episode and, and thinking about it, I keep probably somewhere in this podcast, I will call it Sunset Bay rather than Sunrise Bay. Oh, wow. Go watch Soap Dish. It's great. It has many... Um, similarly far-fetched storylines as we have heard over the years that Vivian Moira's character 
has been subjected to. You really think you would be head of surgery at Sunrise General if you weren't possessed by your father, who also happened to be the former head of surgery at Sunrise General? Sunrise Bay and finally getting to see it on Schitt's Creek is outstanding. The the makeup job they did on on both Victor Garber uh, and Catherine O'Hara yes. is fantastic. And Victor's they, wig. Oh I my god. Well, Victor's wig. wig is ridiculous, but they actually both look younger and yes, good yes. um so they did that all really really well um i'm so i was also so excited and was waiting to see this and they did not disappoint i thought we were gonna get like a oh, one a, little scene a hundred percent i thought if this was gonna be a tiny little flashback and instead we see multiple scenes and they're coming back to reboot it we also get to have the outstanding saul rubinek who has been in almost every movie you've ever seen and almost every television show you've ever seen. I just feel like this has been like that dream stunt casting. Schitt's Creek is not a show with like a lot of stunt casting. Like the other people who have been guest stars are like Canadian famous, right? They're like if that, I mean, but even then, like not yeah, even dance. then, like not like super big. Like Victor Garber and Saul are probably and are probably the two biggest names we've had on the show other than Catherine yes. and, and Eugene. But I love that they are actually Catherine and Eugene's longtime friends and collaborators who they've been in movies with and television shows and done theater with. We have some outstanding sound here from uh, Eugene and Catherine talking about their connection to Victor Garber and the making of this episode. I know that Eugene and Victor have known each other for a really long time. When did you meet Victor Garber? I met him, I was in high school, and he was in uh, Godspell in Toronto. And my brother was dating Gilda Radner, God bless her, at the time. And she got Robin Duke, who plays Blouse Barn woman, <laughs> owner, co uh, ex-owner. Uh, Robin Duke and I were in high school together, and uh, Gilda got us tickets to go see the show. We met Marty, we met Eugene, we met Andrea, and we met Victor. And yeah, had, he was had Jesus. You, the two of you worked together before? No. 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 It takes Sunrise Bay to bring you together. Yes. Oh, was he it like was to perfect. step into that, uh, to get to play Moira at that stage in her life? Because we've really only seen it, I think, in the in the video, uh, the sexual harassment yes. video. <laughs> so there was a lot of discussion about how old I was then, how old I had to try to look, uh, whether or not we keep the wig that I wore to dinner in season one, and I think that I always figured that was the Vivian wig because I, because I knew they were fans of the soap opera, and I wanted to get my way with them that night. Not sexually, I wanted to get them to sign sign the town to us. Um, oh, it was really fun. Uh, Victor said it was like when we actually did the soap opera scene. He said it was like doing a CTV sketch together, and it was <laughs> suddenly on this cheesy little you know half of a set, just a bit of a hallway, and it was fun, really fun. He's great. There was another episode that had to do with uh, Alexis, who had just broken up with Ted, and she starts dating this much older man. And I went up to uh, Dan, and I said, what about Victor Garber for this role? And he said, I'm thinking of Victor for the other role, for the... Moira's uh, former co-star. Yeah, for, former co-star in Sunrise Bay. And I said, wow, that is great. I mean, not, not only because I just love Victor and we, all, we started out in the same show together like in 1972. As, as, as friends, Victor was already established back then. I mean, my God, he was, he was in a great singing group and you know, he, was do, he, was, he was doing okay. But it was, it was my first show and a lot of, lot of people that I started working with, Marty Short and Andrea Martin and Gilda Radner and 
you know, Paul Schaefer, and they, we all started in that show with Victor as the, as the star. So I love the fact that we were working together again. And he, he loves the show. He's a fan of the show. And he was so excited when we, you know, offered this uh, part to him. And he just killed it. He just, he was so great in it. And Saul Rubinick, if you know Saul as an actor, like I've known Saul again for just as long. And those two guys really created a showbiz side of Schitt's Creek that we've never actually seen. As Catherine said, she didn't quite know how to react in that cafe scene with Victor and Saul because the energy was so different than anything we'd ever done in that cafe before. Such a talented guy and the sweetest guy in the business. Did you sing any songs together? No, we didn't sing any songs together. <laughs> no, it's hard to get, you know, it's hard to get, it's hard to get Victor to sing when he's, you know, when he's not being paid for it. He just can't, but it's just, it's because he's, it's because he's just, uh, he's so humble and the great, you know, I, I, at the auditions for Godspell in 1972, I followed Victor Garber oh. and at the audition with about 80 people there, he got a standing ovation for his singing audition. And then they called my name. <laughs> Were you giving him a standing ovation? Were you just uh, like sitting there stunned I was, and terrified? I, I was standing with everybody. <laughs> I'd never heard anything. It, it, it was, oh my God, it was so great. He hit such a high note at the end of his song. People just jumped to their feet and applauded. This is an audition <laughs> that everybody's competing for. And then they called my name. Well, it worked out. And for I both said, you. okay, you know what? It's over. <laughs> I need a full six episode docuseries about uh, this Godspell production I and just diving into all these video relationships. video of your face as Eugene told this story. This was in this like <laughs> bank basement, like interrogation room type pop up podcast studio that we had created while we were up there outside of Toronto. And Eugene is just like casually telling this story. But also with like so much love and awe for Victor Garber and and but and Patrick's face, you were just like it was like every little part of like your inner like theater musical yes. theater geek was like exploding and you were trying to like rein it in. It was beautiful. <laughs> it was wonderful. Like I I'm was also losing my mind, but you yes. were like you in this it. extra place of <laughs> excitement. Uh. It was a great story. I also, I love that they talked, first talked about bringing Victor on to play Artie. Which he totally could have last... been great there too. He would have, but although I feel like a little weird and this is like even better. Yes. Like, I mean, why would you, when you have Victor Garber in your like Rolodex of guys to call and be like, hey, you be on the show with us like playing something of that stature and and such a mess of a person who's so funny and yet so good at getting slapped across the face how dare you make me kill my father twice <gasps> you'll pay for this one day i like this though too because Artie wasn't smarmy no. and victor is such a he just has such a sweet demeanor to him that it's always fun when he gets to play characters like this or like i like first wives club is one of my favorite movies and he similar has moments that I, i'm like oh my god that is entirely like a look on his face and the, his intonation is exactly the same as when he played like a really smarmy sleazy guy on um yeah on first wives what club. i love about richard garber is that you know i mean this is a man who is such a musical theater like you know legend I and mean, he was he was starred in all these Sondheim shows, Sondheim wrote shows for him. He was, you know, this musical theater entity. And then I feel like especially after Alias, 
he instead kept getting typecast in these like really hardcore roles where he I mean he was so great in Alias as Jennifer Garner's dad and as the kind of like super spy that he is in that and then we got to see him play all of these like badass guys and it's been nice to see I loved him in the Arrowverse on the CW yeah and um the man can can do almost anything like the rest of these actors uh it was such a pleasure to get a chance to chat with him he was on a a different set, not the Schitt's Creek set where he is shooting now. So you might probably hear some background noise here. Here's what he had to say about reuniting with Catherine and Eugene. When I was asked to do this, it came out of the blue and Eugene sent me a, a, an email and said, you know, would you consider? I said, I would be so privileged and honored to be a part of this show. I couldn't believe they were asking me to do it. And, uh, it was uh, one of the highlights of the year, for sure. It's uh, one of the best experiences I've had. You know, I, I've known Catherine my whole, most of my life, and I've never, we've never worked together. And so uh, I, I, the, the idea that I would get to work with her as well was uh, pretty exciting. Are you a fan of the show anyway? And have yes, I am a fan. I'm it? a big fan of the show. I, I, I haven't, you know, I'm not up to date, and I don't, you know, but I, 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 I caught up on, on the first couple of seasons uh, a while back, and I haven't been able to watch much TV lately. And uh, But it's one of those things that I look forward to sitting, you know, over a weekend, just losing myself in that world. And I just finished working on a movie in Pittsburgh, and, and Daniel was in it. And uh, so that was a joy. When did you first meet Dan? I know you've known Eugene, obviously, and Catherine for so long, but when, when did you first meet Dan you know, as a I, child or as an adult? No, he was kind of an, uh, a teenager, and I it was I can't exactly remember when. I think it was uh, when he was working at um, in Toronto on that music station that he was sort of DJing on, and, and then he suddenly became known. Has he changed, or do you feel like he is like a grown-up version of of the teenager you remember, or is what is it like you to know, work with him as an adult now? His intelligence is uh, daunting. I'm sort of intimidated by him because I think he's a genius. And, uh, you know, he, listen, he comes from fine stock. He's, his mother and his father are pretty extraordinary. And um, uh, so he's he's a great compilation of those people. What do you remember about first meeting Eugene? I remember his um, his audition. I, I mean, we all kind of met that, that one fateful day in Toronto. You know, Gilda, Marty... Um, and I knew Andrea Martin before that, but I didn't know Eugene or Marty and, um, uh, or Gilda, obviously. And that's, that day we were all sort of singled out to become the, uh, we were the cast and we all found out that day. Uh, wow. so it was, uh, it was pretty heady and, uh, exciting what do you remember about meeting Catherine for the first time? She told us about how her brother was dating Gilda, and so that was how she sort of came to a show for the first time. But do you have any recollection of when you first met her, or first really sort of talked to her? I only remember the first, I think, seeing her on on uh, Second City, uh, like on stage at, at the Second City uh, Cabaret. I just remember uh, finding her intoxicating Uh because she she is you know uh, she's one of the most talented people I've ever worked with or known and and I I was um, she was she was kind of uh, inspiring to 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 see on stage and I remember that 
more than anything. Let's talk first about the flashback, like these actual Sunrise Bay scenes. Your well, your was, wig. Was funny. Yeah. <laughs> Tell I mean, us about shooting was, that and about that wig and about all of that. Well, the wig was, uh, I mean, because that wasn't the first try. That was <laughs> a couple of really scary ones. Um, and then, and they found that, and it looked very much like the, my, the way my hair looked when I was doing on the album of the Sugar Shop, which is a Canadian group I was in. And <clears throat> it was kind of, I looked like that person. We could barely get through it. We were laughing so hard. Um, it was just the perfect, uh, when, when Eugene described what the, the role was and how it was going to work. And, and as soon as he said flashback, I said, well, I'm in. So, so filming it was just, uh, it was just hilarious. We also get to see the great Saul Rubinek in this episode. You guys yeah. worked together before, right? Well, I hadn't seen Saul for many years. And uh, I thought, boy, this is a high-end group right here. This is, these are, i got to be on my toes. Because Saul, you know, can just steal the scene from anybody. It was, it was really fun to, to be reunited. Uh, and the three of us sitting around a table, it was very uh, nostalgic and very, uh, there was a sweet sentiment about it. And uh, I loved it. I loved it. Why do you think that Schitt's Creek is important? And why do you think it's been such a huge popular success? I think what it, people respond to is the authenticity of it. They're brilliant comedic actors. All of them, by the way. I mean, everyone on the show. And the way it caught on was kind of amazing to watch. Um, because I remember when they were doing, started it and it was like, and I thought, oh, how envious I was that they could all be together in this, you know, and that Daniel and Eugene, that was the most exciting part of it, that, that it was a father and son, you know, enterprise. And, and then Catherine, you know, was the obvious and, and perfect choice for it. It was so infectious and so appealing and so, such a kind of a uh, departure from the world that we're, the horror that we're living through at the moment. It's, it's just a phenomenon that gives me more pleasure than I can even describe because I, I just admire them all and love them all so much. And uh, I honestly, I, it was, it raised my spirits. I was going, whatever I was going through at the time that they called me and Eugene, Eugene contact, contacted me. It's just, I, those, those couple of days in Toronto and having dinner with Eugene and Deb and, just it just being back to my kind of beginning uh, life, it really revived me, and uh, I'm just very grateful that I could be, you know, a part of it. In, 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 you know, as, as small a part as it is, it's just I feel very uh, grateful. We'll be right back with more EW on set. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back. You know, obviously there was a lot of uh, craziness apparently behind the scenes and uh, Alexis is the one to bring this to Moira's attention. I mean, Alexis really is just like, 
she seems like she's so like she should be super flighty but she is so on top of stuff. even in this like part where she's depressed and now she's sort of like binging the show and instead ends up reading and then moderating the fan message boards for Sunrise Bay and basically becoming Moira's manager in addition to her publicist. There are a lot of fans who think that Clifton Sparks had you written off the show because he was jealous. Don't be a dotty poor Alexis. No, I unwittingly negotiated myself off the show. End of story. I think that's a really special experience to uh, be at the age in which you can start helping your parents in addition to your parents helping you. And I love that we're seeing that journey for them. Well, Patrick, <laughs> um, you're getting so serious so soon. No, but yes. I just, I love it. It's true. I, I love, I love that, you know, that she's able to to kind of step into that place and that Moira is becoming a parent to her, but that they are, she is becoming help to her mother as well. It's beautiful. I mean, we've seen her step up and like take more and more, um, like initiative and helping Moira with her career. But, and this was, it was kind of an X level because this was really more about negotiating and it wasn't just like, here's She's my. She's empowering her she, mom, not just like. Absolutely. And, and doing so in a way that Moira is surprised by and seems almost resistant to you, but then you can like well you gotta you gotta resist a little bit when the girl is wearing her clip on like half in half out at, sure. at breakfast yeah, so absolutely <laughs> uh we talked to annie murphy about this storyline about alexis sort of finding her footing a little bit with her mother so alexis realizes that he has had moira He's been very malicious and sneaky and he's had her written off. And then she encourages Moira to really stand up for herself and um, take control of the situation. And uh, Moira listens to her, another first, basically. She then asks for a ridiculous, ridiculous... um, amount of money. Um, and a tennis bracelet. And a tennis, yes, the tennis bracelet, the, but she wants him written off the show. She wants an exorbitant amount of money and then, oops, and then she wants a gorgeous, sparkling million dollar tennis bracelet. And she listened to Alexis. And she listened to Alexis. Gosh, what a triumphant episode this is. Um, I have to say about Victor Garber, we were all so excited that he was on the show. Um, and I did, I wasn't working the days that he was in, so I didn't get to meet him, which I was devastated about, but, um, I did get the great, uh, pleasure of being there at the table read when Victor called in from LA and we put him, he was in, his voice was coming through a iPhone in a fruit bowl right in front of me. So it was like, there was a tiny little Victor Garber sitting on the table right in front of me and he came in swinging like he just he just went like absolutely committed to the character right out of the gates and um had everyone cackling at the read it was he was he really owned it he clearly really connected with this character what's your favorite victor garber role other than titanic Okay, Did you also, not watch Alias? Well, th- I was just going to say, yeah. I haven't seen Alias. Otherwise, I think that would be probably be my favorite role It's of great. Uh, but I would have loved to have... Wouldn't you love to have seen the original cast of Godspell? I would have anyway, but then after hearing Eugene and Catherine talk about it, Eugene talked about the audition process that he where he met Victor Garber. Yeah. And it blew my mind. 
And Marty Short apparently had to twist Eugene's arm to audition and, like, dragged him kicking and screaming to the audition room. And that's where everyone met. It's amazing. Where would we be if that didn't happen? There would be no Shit's Creek. There would may, we might not be born if that didn't happen. We don't Any know what the butterfly effect would have been. We all might never have been born. I don't think we should try to imagine a world without that, like, 1972 Toronto production of Godspell. No, let's not. We didn't realize it was going to change everything. <laughs> so the other big storyline involves Johnny um, and uh, the motel expansion and the termites and his book. It's so funny because I... There's times I have to admit that I've seen this new motel venture as kind of just like not the not something I'm worried about. But the fact that they're giving it termites and the fact that uh, this ends in Stevie kind of having this revelation and, and growth about like where she wants to see the company go. I can see the groundwork and why it was important to have this be part of the season. But man, the that opening scene of this storyline when they're going through all the different um, options that could happen. How are we going to cover these costs? Well, I gave one of my kidneys to my cousin Bruce. Um, we could see how I run on an empty tank. I went to school with the guy who starts accidental fires. I mean, worst comes to worst, we could collect the insurance money. We spoke to Emily about kind of this evolution of their business and their friendship, uh, which has honestly become one of my favorite parts of the show. So, first of all, at the read-through, when we were reading about Johnny's book, and what the cover would look like and everything, because um, it was described. And Dan said to me, he's like, that's going to be a prop you're going to want. And then when I saw it, I was like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever because I'm going to get Eugene to like write like Johnny Rose to Stevie in it. So he, because usually it's props who will do the writing. But so um, props got me my own book and got Eugene to write in it. And it's, I mean, it's amazing. Um, his hair, his the VHSs. Um, Where will you display it? Will it be yeah, like on your bookshelf? I've started in the living room. To, I've started to take way too much stuff. I mean, and not only just like book size stuff. Like you know that big deer that's behind. <laughs> so uh, it's big. I didn't. I don't think anyone knows how big it is. Like, you wouldn't imagine that it's actually like this. Like, could you carry it yourself? No, no. no. Someone's going to have to deliver that to me. And then when they deliver to me, they'll realize it doesn't fit through my door. And then when they realize that, it doesn't even, there's nowhere you could put that. But I'm keeping it. Anyways. Just put it um, on your car. Just, like, right on top. Yeah, don't have a car. But um, <laughs> anyways, yes. Well, buy a car to, to like, put that on. It makes clearly sense. it's a good reason. Yes. But, um, no, I'm definitely... I, well, I just got a new place, so I'm going to have to figure out. Oh, it's going to be like there it's gonna be a museum. <laughs> it's going to be like a Shits Creek museum. I'll have people come through. And because I won't have a job anymore because this is ending, that's how I'll make my money. There so you there you go. But you you essentially figure out this future, this yes. life for, for yourself, but also for Johnny mm -hmm. by coming up with this idea of the franchise. Is there, I don't know, like a certain satisfaction in sort of saving the day for this family that has oh. saved you oh yeah well, that's really nice mm. way of putting it actually i wish i'd said that you can um, say it just take it, take it. <laughs> go ahead so no i i loved that um especially because there was something about steve the way stevie walks into that business meeting in the um cafe and the guys are kind of saying what they're going to do and what their idea is and how it has to be and it's the only way. And I think Stevie's line was like, 
well, I don't like that idea. And this is my idea. And I just loved that she was like, no, I don't agree with that because they just assumed she would agree with it. I don't know. It felt very like this little boys club that's happening right now is just gonna like, I don't know. I don't even have a word for that. Anyways, it's your turn. It, yeah. It's your time. Yes. And, um, and I just loved that she had really not only come up with a great idea, but kind of generously gave it to Johnny as his, which it was in a, but like, you know, did for him what this family had done for her um, in showing him that he had it, he had it all along. He'd done it before. It was always, God, oh. You just love The Wizard of Oz. I do. <laughs> oh, any him? Any him? It's strange to say, but this is the, I think only episode we've seen in quite a while where Noah Reed isn't in it at all. No Hashtag Patrick. Free Noah, where is he? I don't know. He was busy that week. He was practicing a song on his guitar. I hope so. I We missed him. I mean, there was a lot going on. There was a lot going on. But I also would have loved to see him react to any of the explanations. Or like, there's such that great shot at the end where David is also watching old episodes of Sunrise Bay. And I feel like if David and Patrick had been there together watching it, if like the look on his face would have I would have loved if, because as much as Patrick doesn't uh, get pop culture, um, we know, um, I would love if he just totally followed and was just like, like that David's asking these questions and Patrick was just like, he oh no, like, like, yeah, I don't know. that's why this makes sense. She was shredded, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, that's this episode. I, I, I really did enjoy it. I thought it had just the right balance of heart and comedy, which the show always does, but they think this one really had a fantastic, fantastic balance. Didn't make us too sad like no. two episodes ago. Even more Sunrise Bay than we ever hoped to get. This, I mean, this show has really paid off for its its own in-universe movies and TV shows. And I yeah. appreciate, I feel like, look, when you've been thinking about what a Crows movie or what a soap opera looks like for six years of making something, I'm glad they took the time and and, and made it real. Yeah. Dan, if you're looking for other spinoff ideas, <laughs> just so, give us... I mean, they, Sunrise you know, Bay. if they get to reboot Sunrise Bay, then I feel like that's a, that's a spinoff in and of itself. Or it could be a show within a show on whatever other Schitt's Creek spinoff happened. So make it happen. Make it happen. Okay, so we have reached the point uh, in our podcast where we are going to break down the rest of the episode uh, by our now famous categories. I'm going to call them <laughs> super famous. Everyone knows and loves them. Uh, but no, let's start off with um, our Rose Family Celebrity Name Drop of the Week. Yes. I mean, there's one just above and beyond that almost doesn't make any sense. Nicole Kidman signed off as Adriana's daughter. Nicole Kidman. What I love about this, there's a couple of things I love about this. One, I love that Moira, Moira's reaction is to say, I was believing you both until now. Like, she really was like, okay, let's not be crazy. Nicole Kidman is not going to be on this show. I also love that through all of the other setup of this, the line has consistently been that like Moira is the only one with anything exciting happening because of the crowning, which means that in this world of Sunrise Bay, Nicole Kidman, whatever she has been doing, would not be enough. To... Is not as exciting as the crowning, which I believe 
but it's a very powerful leap of logic. Yes. My name drop is going to come from the like almost last line of the episode where Moira is explaining um, what is happening on the show. Oh, you know, children, this is where the season picks up. When the cave starts talking back to me, voiced by the wonderful Peter Falk. The one and only Columbo, a childhood favorite of mine. I feel like I can just imagine him wandering into this. It's a great name drop. I want to know how they got to Peter Falk because there's so many other people they could have included that kind of are like in that similar vein. Like why him? I don't know why they included yeah. him, but I love it regardless. Um, all right, Shana, uh, we are going to do our Moira Rose dialogue from the episode. Uh, yes. Do you want to start or do you want me to go first? I can start. Um, I have like two really strong contenders. One is from when she sits down at the table in the Wobbly Elm um, and says, Oh, it's not easy to disremember my final demise. Just classic more words than necessary. And I feel like, I feel like that Moira extra wordiness, like when she, this episode actually kind of made it click for me that like, especially when she's feeling insecure, it's even more so like she is in full performance mode with these men. Like everything she's saying is like a script she has been readying for years and she just gets more verbose with each potential take. But the one I really, really, really love is when she first comes in and Alexis is um, telling her what she has seen during her um, bed rest, like of watching Sunrise Bay. And Moira says, Perhaps a little more housework and a little less mouse work might do you some good, Alexis. Like, it's the kind of thing that if Moira had been a mom who was around when Alexis was like 13, she would have said constantly. But I am, I'm glad she still has the opportunity to use this, even though she probably wasn't around for the first time. And it's a great turn of phrase that I have at least Funny. not heard before. But I'm mouse work like with it. Like it's great. All right. Well since you pick two, I'm gonna I'm gonna share two as well. Okay. Um uh one of them is from that same scene uh that you just mentioned um where she's where she's telling Alexis What's important is that you stay here where no one can see you and focus on your critical self care. <laughs> I just oh, she's full of tough love for Alexis. I just, week. I, I love it. Like, but she says it as though it's a compliment and like totally great. Like, no, um, love that. And also, Adriana had a DUI last year. Popped a breast, poor dear. As though that's again just something that completely is normal and happens all the time. All the time. <laughs> I mean, if you're wearing a seatbelt. Okay, heartwarming, heartbreaking, biggest laugh, biggest cry. Oh, Go. Man. I'm gonna start off with the biggest cry. Okay. Let's end on a happy note. It's it's Johnny talking to Stevie about the plan they had for David's Bali wedding. Mr. Rose, it's not always going to be like this. And now we had a sizable nest egg set aside for David's wedding. Oh, yeah. Because it's like he's he's struggling and in a way that Stevie seems to be the only person who really sees, right? Like David misses it. David, I mean, he like kind of almost glimpses a little bit of it or Stevie kind of leads him there a little bit to realize that like his dad is worried about the money of it. And he gets to like the practical part of helping to reassure his dad about that. But I, he totally misses the emotional part of it. And so to see that moment of Johnny opening up to Stevie about this idea of these dreams they had had for their kids and what they thought they could do and that he's still worried about it was really relatable yeah like just ugh, my heart broke for him okay i'll do my heartbreak one too so then as you said we can end on a happy note i think mine i don't know if there's like one moment but i feel like this was an episode that 
gave me a lot of Moira feelings. Like the Moira Rose idea of the history of Moira Rose is, of course, that she is the star of everything. And she is, you know, and you kind of believe it because Catherine is so great at this like larger than life idea of who Moira is that like we all sort of buy into this idea. They need you. And all I'm saying is as your publicist and your daughter and now the moderator of the Sunrise Bay Fan Forum, there is more to this story. And if you want to go through with this after watching that video, just remember that there is nothing wrong with asking for what you deserve. You see that moment of just real, like a little a pain and like she's hurt. And then she still kind of like shoulders up and like goes back into that bar and like sits down with those guys and, and the, you know, reveal that she's made all of these demands and because she stood up for herself. The show is smart enough and the actors are good enough to bring it back to this like, here is like a woman of a certain age who was really wronged and who is trying to find a way to like hold her head up, even if this offer comes back to her and instead like think of what her daughter is telling her she's worth. I don't know. It was it was emotional for me. Okay, let's laugh. What, let's what laugh. made us laugh? We've talked so much about Victor Garber, the triple slap. We talked about Alexis and her sort of like sad bed rest. But I have to say, man, Eugene Levy and food him tasting that beef tenderloin every joke about the lettuce under the lobster roll his face as he like picked and poked at the food and worried about how expensive it was and every line about it penelope asked if he wanted to crack the top of the creme brulee and you asked if we break it do we buy it well i think that was a perfectly legitimate question considering i wasn't even hungry after the beef i remember dan telling us a story about like the egg salad sandwiches at the funeral scene and it was just like everyone's like eugene loves to eat and that it I, it's simple, but it made me laugh. Yeah. Hopping off of that, just the way that um, that David says, Duck confit. But no, I have to go back to uh, to Victor Garber when he is um, first uh, emerges and she says he looks great and he gives the explanation of... Gave up the drink. Strictly a wine and scotch man now. I feel like if I ever gave up the drink, like that is what my answer would be. <laughs> God, I mean, this just shows really how funny. great an episode this was, that there's so many options to choose from. Every seemingly like throwaway line about a Sunrise Bay plot point. Remember how you entered that time machine you discovered in the hospital's broom closet season three? What if we bring you back that way? Even in the final moment, I got to give it to, to the delivery as well of Catherine O'Hara just going, she's about to look up. It's amazing. Clearly, this was Emmy for Catherine. Emmy, I mean, Emmy for all of them. All of Emmy them. for all of them. But this is the episode I, so far anyway, like this and croning is what I would submit for Catherine. Oh, it's so, so great. We will be back next week to recap everything that happens in next week's episode. We're hiding into the final few, yes. um, which is like very exciting to see how it all turns out, but also very, very sad that it's all going to be over so, so soon. But not to worry. We still have a few more weeks. We have a few more weeks. If you're listening, please make sure you're subscribed because you'll get the episodes first and make sure you rate, review, tell your friends, tell your friends who are have finally given in and realized they have to catch up on all of season six before the big finale. Yeah, and thanks for you to those of you who have reached out to Shane and I on social media. Um, we really do love hearing your thoughts. It's great. We record this podcast because we got this great access, but we would sit around talking about the show even yes. if we didn't. So it's nice to be able to talk with all of you about it as well. And we will continue to see you guys uh, for the next few weeks. Thank you um, for joining yeah, us. Yeah, thank you for joining us. This has been EW On Set. <laughs>